0: Hey, good morning, church, and that is correct. I am saying the church because this is a good reminder for us to remember that the church isn't a building, even though I'm in a building, you're not in the church building, but the people. People are the church and the people is a movement of people gathered around the gospel of Jesus, his death, resurrection, and his ascension. And so, hey, if you're watching live with us this morning, glad to have you. Or if you're going to be watching this on a later recording, I want to remind you about our passion here at Austin Oaks Church is that we are a church that strives to be simply about Jesus. We want to make sure that he is everything because he's the one who changes everything. And quite frankly, he's the only thing we truly need in this season that we are in right now okay and that's why we do all that we can do as a church as a staff as pastors as elders to help people meet know and follow Jesus okay so that's a little bit of our heartbeat so if you're a guest visiting with us online that was weird there's a lot of pastor things that are normal like visiting you're not visiting with us you are online visiting with us Brandon stop get moving got it Hey, quickly, two things before we I, I get into God's word this morning. Um, we're going to be celebrating communion together. I posted out that message earlier in the week, but if you didn't see that, that's okay. Um, I want to encourage you to maybe just hit pause on the live feed. Go find whatever appropriate elements that you need. Some bread, crackers, some juice, orange juice, whatever it is. We want to encourage you to partake in uh, communion with us as well. Um, and secondly, we are rallying the troops during the season to be committed to a season of prayer and fasting. Okay. And there's a few reasons for this. One one of them is simply this. And the fast what we're challenging the church to do is to fast from media. If you choose to fast from food and all our stuff in this season, awesome, please do it. Uh, but I want to really what we want to do is fast for media because the reality is we're being bombarded with so much news, okay? We're 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 constantly checking, and I'm I'm totally guilty of this. We're constantly checking on the latest updates, the latest statistics, the latest numbers, and and like we talked about earlier in the week that if we are just focusing on all of the circumstances and the storms around us, we're gonna be tempted to think that the storm is greater than Jesus. And the moment we start to think that the storm is greater than Jesus, we're gonna to start to drown. We're going to give in to fear and to anxiety, but rather we should be people who are ready, who are uh, like on our toes praying and and, um, interceding on behalf of the city and behalf of the world, really, that God would move in the hearts of his people, that God would open up eyes in their hearts to see the glory of his son, Jesus, and that also that God would, you know, stamp out this pandemic. We want to be praying for that. So I want to encourage you. Um, We've been asking people just to take one of the seven days of the week and say listen, I'm going to take Monday and we want to cover every single day in the week. So some of you will take Monday, some of you take Tuesday. And so I want to encourage you, even right now in the live feed, just start thinking about that. Post on there like, hey, I will fast for media and pray intentionally on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. We want to make sure that we're covering every single day of the week. And saying that, I want to encourage you, comment, let us know you are there. We got people who are monitoring that. We got staff online. So if you got prayer requests, if you got things that are concerning you, let us know on there. This is a great way to communicate. But also let us know, like, what you're doing this morning. Are you doing this? Are you watching this live with your family, with your kids? Are you in a small group with Zoom and all this kind of stuff? And are you doing this together? We would love to hear from you and what God is doing in your hearts and in your lives in this season. Now, um, before we jump in, I want to spend some time praying. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, to pray alongside with me. And I want to pray specifically for two, two things. I want to pray for all of our medical staff. Um, not just in Austin, but around the world. We want to pray for them who are really um, stepping up to the plate in more ways than we, can e- we couldn't even imagine. We want to pray for them. And locally, we want to pray for the ADRN staff who will be feeling the needs and feeling the pressure, and they will be working countless hours. And so we know that like some of you in our church are really close, near and dear, and working really hard hours with them. And so we want to pray for you. And so if you could, join me in prayer this morning. Father, we, we come to you in a moment that feels extremely uncertain, in a season that feels very confusing, where it's tempting to take our eyes off of you and to look at the strength of the storm, the strength of the winds. And there's so many things that are coming at us just left and right. Lord, I pray that you would rise above it all and that you would make yourself known. Lord, would you be our anchor in this season? Father, we want to pray for our brothers and sisters who are serving people all around this world in the medical staff. We want to pray for doctors and nurses and caretakers and everybody and volunteers that are giving hours and putting their own lives on the line for the sake of serving other people. We pray for them. Lord, we pray that you would mobilize the resources that are needed, financial and the equipment to 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 keep folks safe, to help people move on the path of healing. And we pray that your hand would be the one that would be causing people to experience healing in life. Father, we want to pray for um, ADRN, Austin Disaster Relief Network here locally. We, We know that they're going to be on the front lines. We know that Homeland has been talking with them. We know that they're ramping up and we know that they're connected with churches and we know that they're going to be serving countless hours. So Lord, would you give them an extra measure of grace and strength In this season, we pray that you would just help them to always rise above the the surface that they wouldn't give in to fear or stress or anxiety, that they would truly be beacons of hope and light in this time. And Lord, I pray for us as a church, Lord, that we would remember who we are and who we're not, that we would remember who you are and who you're not. So Lord, we ask that you would be our everything in this season. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So it goes without saying, church, that we are in an unprecedented time. It goes without saying that there, there is a huge level of uncertainty, confusion, fear, panic for some. I mean, we're, we're all facing new norms, right? Like just even going like when you're talking with people and you hear someone cough, you like almost want to run away from them and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's a time where we're seeing people give in to panic, right? Like, if, like this is why we want to encourage you to limit your social media intake. Like I'm not saying don't be informed or don't pay attention. By all means do so, but be careful of how much you're allowing that to control you and to influence you. And also now we're also seeing a lot of doomsday people going out there and, and creating a mass fear and hysteria just through it's the end of the world, it's the end of the world, it's the end of the world, right? And the Lord's coming soon. Like listen, like yes, like Jesus even taught us that, like be ready. Be ready. You know, he's going to come like a thief in a night. So we shouldn't be surprised as believers. We should be ready. We should be preparing and praying already, looking for our Lord to come. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that we're going to always just going to be completely stress-free and completely anxious-free of the season, even though as believers we should be. We got to remember that those things are going to come at us. They're going to hit us. But we have to be people who keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our hope and faith and trust centered and anchored in him. This is a great season as we're seeing people united and rallying together to do what needs to be done in order to see people love, be loved well. Now, regardless of what happens with the virus, regardless of what happens with the economy, there are two things that are going to happen that we can control. Time in life, we get to control the decisions and what we're going to do with the time that we have. And folks, reality is we have a lot more time than we probably ever had. And not saying we have more hours in a day, but you know what I mean. We're not constantly having to go through the grind now, right? We're not being hurried now. Like we have time. And this is a great opportunity for you and I to take, to redeem the time, to make the best use of opportunities that are given to us. So what are we doing with that time? So we are in a season as a church, we're in the season of Lent. And I can't think of a better season right now for the church to be in, in these uncertain and, and, and confusing times. Because the reality is the heartbeat of Lent is to prepare our hearts for what God wants to do inside of us today what He wants to do inside of us tomorrow and in the days to come. This spiritual season is absolutely perfect for us as a church. Because in many ways, listen, we're all in the same boat, okay. We're all facing the same things. The circumstances are all hitting us all. But the reality is we're all going to feel it a little bit differently. Some of us are going to experience this a little bit differently, but we're all in the same boat. But some of the context that we're all in is a little bit different. So let's just kind of face some of the facts, potentially. And I'm not trying to be a fear monger or try to cause fear or uncertainty. It's just this is the reality of our time. Like at some point, there's some people in our church, you're going to know people, loved ones, people probably close to you who are going to, you know, get the COVID-19 virus, right? And and it's going to be scary. And we're going to pray that it doesn't become serious. And hopefully it doesn't happen, but it could happen that some of you in our church might actually get the, the virus. When we pray that you don't, and we pray that it isn't serious. And we know that some of you in the church, you're, you may or may not lose your job and source of income. And so you're gonna feel that differently than some people, right? Some of you have maybe lost a portion of your wealth due to the economy crashing and the stock market crashing and stuff. Well, some of you didn't. I know some of you have elderly parents that you are concerned for and you want to get near and visit, but you can't, right? And I know that some of you who are in school and the high school students or maybe a college senior and you were hoping to see that season through and now you don't get to, right? We are truly in this together. We're in the boat together, but the reality is we have different contexts and that's just the reality, right? Even though our contexts are different, for those of us who believe in Jesus, the content should be the same, The content that should fill and direct our lives has to be the same. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though the contexts are different, the content isn't. Different. Even though you might have different experiences than some of us, that doesn't mean our faith and our anchor and our constant source of encouragement doesn't change. It's the same. It's Jesus. He's our anchor. He's our constant. He's our hope. He's our peace. He's our calm in the storm. He's our guide. He's our shepherd. He's the one who's going to lead us through the valley of the shadow of darkness. And He's the one that causes us to fear no evil, Right? Lent is a season that is designed to pull us in together as a church, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of what you are going through. It pulls us in together as a church to focus again on Him, to realign our hearts again to His heart. At the heartbeat of Lent is really a season of repentance. Now, this posture of repentance is ultimately to prepare the way for God to do a work in our hearts, right? It's not a season to make us feel shamed or guilty, you know, to make us feel like the woe is me. No, it's, it's a season where we're allowing God to break up the hard areas in our life in order for him to do something, right? That maybe there's areas in your life right now that you have closed off to God. Maybe there are areas in your life where you have chosen to to keep a sin, to deliberately keep an idol for yourself, right? Maybe it's just you've been in a season of being joyless and thankless or indifferent when we think of God. Maybe you need to repent because right now you've given into anxiousness and fear. Like maybe those are things that you just need to look at. Like maybe you've been focusing so much on the wind and the waves of the storm around you. And it's pulled your eyes away from Jesus and you feel like you are drowning and sinking in worry maybe your identity has been exposed and maybe you placed your hope and your trust in your income in your job and everything that you do and now that's stripped away from you maybe you're just like what is this all about repentance is ultimately about coming back to him right it's, it's about humbling ourselves it's about lowering ourselves and placing ourselves at the feet of jesus and it's not just confession Repentance isn't just saying, Lord, I I confess to you, I've been fearful in this season. Repentance is confession plus intentional action to walk in a way that is different than you have been, right? And that's why this season is so important because it's going to be the gravitational pull. It's going to bring us right back to Jesus. And that is absolutely vital for us today. We see in James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and look at the promise. He will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. There's kind of a play on that, I guess. And purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Like this is an opportunity for us to come near. God's not going to shame you. He's not going to guilt you. He's not going to point his fingers at you and say, I knew it, you were bad. It's an opportunity for him to get more of our hearts. And so we're going to look at three things in this season together as a church. We're going to look at the the idea of remembering, remembering who God is and who we are and what he has done. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about repentance. And then we're going to talk about renewal. What is God going to do in our hearts in this season? It's all to move us towards Easter, okay? So... This is a season, just like where John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, where he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This is a season where we're going to cultivate our hearts through the power of His Holy Spirit so that there can be fruit produced in our lives. Now, what I want to talk to you this morning is, ever so, is the ever so important call to Remember over and over and over and over in scripture you see this remember 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 do not forget do not forget do not forget and so what we're going to do is i want to encourage you if you have a bible Open it up to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Okay, you can find that in the Old Testament. It's part of the Pentateuch. So it's the fifth book or, you know, yeah, it's the fifth book in the Old Testament. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So it's right there, chapter 8. And we're going to jump around to different portions of Scripture to talk about this topic. So Deuteronomy chapter 8. And we're gonna really, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look through this whole chapter. So I'm gonna read it for us now so we can get the feel of it, and then I'm gonna talk through the importance of this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, and you shall remember. I want you to notice how many times. God talks, or Moses talks about remembering or forgetting. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways, by fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Okay. In this book, This is kind of like Moses' last words to Israel before he dies and before Israel crosses into the promised land. Now, just a little bit of history. The generations that were alive at this time when Moses was giving this word, some of them were alive when they moved on that verge of going to the promised land when the older generation refused to enter into the promised land where they saw the giants in the land, right? They were saying like, yes, the land is good. Look at its grapes. It's it's exactly what God said it would be, but there's giants in the land and they're bigger and they're stronger than us. And they looked at the giants and to them, the giants were bigger than God. And so they chose to not go. They chose to rebel. And they were like, they saw God wrongly. They're like, he led us out here to die and all this stuff. And so God's like, fine. So you will not enter the promised land. And as a punishment, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And this older generation that chose to rebel, they're going to die off in this, wilderness, in this wandering for 40 years. And the younger generations, they're going to be disciplined in the wilderness for these 40 years. Okay. So imagine these younger generations, some of them actually saw the verge of the nation of Israel going into the promised land for 40 years. All they knew was about this promise, that God was gonna lead them to the promised land. And they heard all the stories about being in the promised land. And now, now they're on the verge of going into the promised land. They've been through those 40 years. They experienced what God wanted to teach them. They saw all of the things, right? And now the wandering is about to be a thing of the past. They heard the stories, everything. Now the future is bright and it's full of potential, but the reality is it's not free from danger. They're going to be walking into a new circumstance. They're going to be walking into an unfamiliar territory, meeting unfamiliar people facing unfamiliar circumstances and events. That's the reality. And God's like trying to prepare their hearts. He took that season in the past to prepare them in order to receive and enter into the promised land in a very mature and healthy way. The the future was bright, full of potential and blessing, but it was also ripe of temptation. That's the danger. It's like, listen, it's going to be good, but you also got to remember me. You got to remember my word. You got to remember the ways that I instructed you to live because there's going to be temptation there. They were entering an unfamiliar land, unfamiliar times and unfamiliar people. Listen, church right now we are in an unfamiliar time we're facing unfamiliar circumstances and that's why there's so much confusion we're facing unfamiliar situations we don't know all that's going to happen we don't know how long this is going to take we don't know what's going to happen to the economy we don't know right but that shouldn't like that shouldn't shake our hearts it shouldn't cause us to fear I do believe that there can and will be great blessing in this time that we are in. But also in this time that we are in, it's also ripe for temptation to lure us away from Jesus. So we got to be careful and remember who God is and remember who we are. So let's look at this in verse 1. I want to walk through some of these things. The whole commandment that I command you today shall you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that I swore to give to your fathers. Be careful to obey, and it's, it's a fascinating little phrase here because it really starts to speak of about being careful or giving careful attention to start to look and assess your life, like pay careful attention to decisions, the thoughts and what you're going to do in these new circumstances. What are, how are you going to act and how are you going to respond and where, where are you going to place your faith or your fear in these scenarios? What are you going to do, right? That's what he's challenging them to think about in this situation. He's like, I have instructed you, you know the way to go. So pay careful attention to how you walk. And not only that, I want you to notice that like, he wants us to live. He wants us to live and multiply like God's intention for Israel was to be fruitful, to have an abundance of life. So he's like, listen, I've given you my word. I've given you my commands. I've given you everything that you need in order to live a full and abundant life. Like so often, folks, let's just be honest. When we hear something like this, like we see the word commandment and we just immediately go, wow, what a dictator. Wow, what a mean God. Why would he give his commandments? And we start to see them as like cumbersome and tedious and not for our good. But God, listen, listen, listen. God can only do good. He can only lead to life. So if he gives us commands, any instruction and how to live, it's for our good because he wants us to live. He wants us to multiply. And he's given us a history of his faithfulness and his goodness that should give us the confidence and the security and the assurance that this will be true in the future. So right now, I want you to look at your life and assess what areas in your life right now are, is there willful disobedience to God? Like, is there areas in your life where you're deliberately choosing to keep sin? Are you deliberately choosing to not look at Jesus? Are you deliberately choosing to be anxious because certain things that you found comfort and security in are now gone? Start to look at your life. Are there pockets where you believe? Like, let's just be honest. Are there pockets in your life where you believe the present circumstances around you is bigger and stronger than Jesus? Pay careful attention. He wants you to live and multiply. He's given us his promises. And he he even told us that he promises blessings in obedience. That's the full and abundant life. That's where freedom comes from. So take the time that you have and you have time. Take the time. Be intentional and say, Lord, show me my heart. Maybe this is a good psalm to pray in this season. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Literally. Search me, God, and know my heart. Know my thoughts. Try me. Look at, look at what he goes on. and says, and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And he even talks about like testing his anxious thoughts in this moment and in this season. But now look at verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8. Look at this. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God. Now like notice those words. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. I I love what Moses says here. He's like, remember the whole way, remember how the Lord led you. So, this is a call for them to pause and go, how has God led us these past 40 years? What has he done? How has he been faithful? How has he been good? How has he provided? Has he ever misled us? Has he ever deceived us? What did I come to learn about myself in, that, in the past? Who I'm not and who I am in view of God. Who, what have I learned about who God is in the past? Remember how the Lord led you. This is so important for us to have confidence and trust in the present and in the future. So much about life is about learning, learning who you are, learning who God is. And some of the things like, let's just be honest, we have that we have learned in the past, we have to unlearn. And that's where the New Testament calls that the renewing of our mind. But the reality is some of the best things that we can do is remember the past. Not to live in the past, but to remember the past of what God has done and who God is. If we remember how how God acted in the past, we remember then what God will do in the present and what he's promised to do in the future. Now, here's why I love this. Because we, we actually just sang this song. Nothing is wasted with God. Nothing is wasted. With him nothing is wasted. Everything has the potential to be redeemed and used for his good for our good and for his glory. Moses is reminding him like remember the whole way that he's led you these 40 years. These 40 years weren't in vain. They weren't just like just random wanderings there was intentionality he used them to discipline you to humble you to teach you some things about who you are and who you're not and who he is he will turn all things out for the good of those who love him and for his glory he will listen if you are in, 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 in a fear right now, if you are anxious right now, listen to God's word. He will turn all things out for the good. He's forever been faithful. Not one moment has he never, ever been unfaithful. Not one moment has God ever been unkind or deceiving or or duping us. He's always been good. He's always been faithful and he will never change. Remember how he has led you. Remember the seasons in your own life, in your own wilderness that he has led you. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his goodness. Remember how he has humbled you in those seasons Remember how he was testing you in those seasons. Like start to think about that. Like share that with your family this week. Talk to your kids about how God has been faithful to you in the past. Share stories with your small groups and other people how you've seen God being good in the past. Share those things. It's absolutely important. He will see you through. God can only lead to life. He can do no other I hope someone texted Amen on that. He can do no other. He can only lead to life. And He's laid out every single step for us. I've given you my ways and how you should walk in them. Walk in them. Don't forget, I promise you blessings in your obedience. But not only that, He's led you the whole way. He's led you the whole way. He didn't just start. He didn't just like take you halfway through it and just disappear on you. He led you the whole way. Folks, he will lead us through this valley. He will. And we may not have a tangible promised land on the other end of this. Like we may not have like an actual thing that we're going through. Like, but we have a promised land that we are heading towards. And that's heaven. We'll get to be with Jesus at some point, And he's promised that he will see it through. He will lead us the whole way through. You have to store that in your heart. And that's why this is so important. Remember how he's led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. Look at this in the second part of verse 2. To humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He was humbling you. Now, folks, I, I shared this in one of the Facebook's live, Facebook lives uh, during the week, and I said something to the effect of, God isn't concerned with your comfort. He, he's not, he, he doesn't really care about your comfort. What he cares about is your faith. And if he's got to lead us in circumstances or use adverse circumstances to test us, to humble us, to reveal things about who we are in order to refine us, we should be excited about that in, in a not a sick way, right? Like, we don't want to be like, you know, like gluttons of pain. But the reality is, it's like faith, without faith, we can't please God. And so if God is leading us and we know that he can only lead to life and he's only good, if we're in these adverse circumstances, we know that he's going to reveal things about our hearts that aren't in line with him so that we can be refined and our faith can be strengthened and our faith can grow and we can have strength and confidence and hope in him and our joy will not be shaken because all of our hope is placed in Jesus. That is absolutely important. And so he's the perfect father and he knows how to discipline us. He knows how to humble us. He knows how to test and to try us to show us our hearts. Like he used those 40 years on purpose to prepare them for what's to come. Now, listen, I I want to say this because I don't want to be confused here. I am in no way, shape, or form saying that God has caused the coronavirus in order to humble us and test us. I am not saying that. Don't not even dare say that I'm saying that. Nor should you even dare say that. Because none of you are Old Testament prophets. We didn't hear from the Lord on this. I'm not an Old Testament prophet, and we shouldn't even try to discern it. But what we do know with absolute certainty is that God will use this circumstance for our good and for his glory. We don't know if he's caused it or not. And we're not even gonna speculate on that. That is irrelevant. But what we're gonna do is focus our eyes on Jesus and know with 100% confidence that he will use it for our good and for his glory in this season. So listen, this season... As difficult as it is, is as, as uncertain and confusing and anxious as this season is, listen, it can be a season where God can humble us, where God can test us to show us what's in our heart, to help us understand and see what we truly believe, how we see and think of ourselves and how we see and think of him. That is a beautiful thing because Jesus isn't concerned about our comfort. He's concerned about our faith. And if we have to go through these things in order to be refined so that our faith becomes like gold, so so be it. So be it. Circumstances reveal a person, who we are, and if we allow it, it can refine us. Nothing is wasted with God. Nothing is wasted. This season is not going to be wasted. So allow God to humble you in this season. Allow God to test you in this season. Allow him to show you your heart in this season. Allow him to strengthen and refine you in this season. You know he's good and you know he's faithful because of what you've seen in the past. Parents and grandparents, right now, listen. Listen carefully. This is your moment to share these things with your kids. This is your opportune time to tell your kids how God has been faithful, how God has been good, how God has provided before, so that you can guide them and lead them and disciple them into knowing who Jesus is and that they can place their hope and their trust and their security in Jesus. So important. Don't miss this opportunity, folks. Don't miss it. There's no way I'm getting through this whole passage. Or maybe I should because you can hit pause anytime you want. And you can come back to it later. So anywho, you you can't do anything. All you can do is just click me off and I'll just keep talking. Verse 3 and 4. And he humbled you and let them hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man doesn't live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord he humbled them intentionally by making them hunger, physically hunger, so that they would come to him. And God then in that wilderness provided for them with something called manna, which literally just means, what is it? They've, they've never seen it, they've never tasted it, they don't even know what it is. But what God was teaching them was so important. He was teaching them to depend upon him for all of their needs daily. That they don't have to worry about tomorrow. They don't have to worry about the provision in the future because God is going to meet their needs daily. Jesus even taught us to pray this, right? Give us our daily bread, daily bread. We're trusting you for our daily needs, right? But not only that, it wasn't like, listen, like, I know you're concerned about your physical needs, your physical bread and all those types of things. We know that, right? But he's like, I need you to understand that life is more than just your physical needs, right? Like if God knows from God's perspective that if all you have is just food and water, you just merely exist in this life. You don't truly live in this life. You can only truly live when you are eating off of the word of God. It's so important. Like even though we need the physical needs to live in this physical earthly body, absolutely. But the reality is we're spiritual beings. And so God needs to teach us. He needed to teach them how to live in day-to-day dependence on God. This is a great season to learn this. This is a phenomenal season to learn how to live in day-to-day dependence upon God. God, life is way more than just eating and drinking. It is way more than just physical food. Way more than that. We are spiritual beings and we need to learn how to eat from every word that comes from his mouth. Jesus even taught this in Matthew chapter six. He says, don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. Don't worry about those things. Like this this is a great time to be going, oh my goodness, this is, really hits home right now. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about your pantry. Don't worry if you're trying to go to H-E-B curbside or home delivery and they can't get your order for another five weeks. Don't worry about it. Seek first his kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. There's a call here that is so important for us. We need to realize that in this season, God Humbles us. In other words, sometimes he takes away things in our life that have, we have propped up, that we have learned to depend too much on. Our money, our jobs, certain things that we place our identity. There are so many things in our life that prop us up, that we propped up, that we put too much dependence on, that God will take those away so that we will learn how to be dependent upon him. Folks, I know God will do this in your heart if you allow him to. In this season, if you open your hearts to him, he will teach you that your greatest wealth really is Jesus and the relationships that you have. Your greatest wealth isn't in what you have. Your greatest wealth isn't in your tangible needs. The greatest wealth you have is your relationship with Jesus and from that, your relationships with other people. And the rest of this passage, and I want to encourage you, spend time looking at this. Look at all the things that he starts to teach here. He's like, I'm leading you into a good, in a good land. Like it's going to be good. You're going to have more than enough. You're going to have, there, there's going to be no scarcity in the land that I'm taking you to. And when you get there, praise me. Give me the credit Don't take any credit for yourself. Don't forget that it was me. Obey my commands. Walk in the ways I have given you. Give me the glory. Revere me. Respect me so that you may live and have life and enjoy all of the blessings and all the things I'm giving you as you move into this season of life. Don't forget because the moment you forget how God has led, the moment you forget who he is and the moment you forget what he has done, is the moment that you begin to exalt yourself and you begin to insult God. You start to think that you've done this, I've done this, and now it's taken away. and Now what's going to happen? And that's what causes all of the anxiousness is when we have uncertainty about the future. But for the believer, this is going to be a hard thing to hear because it's hard to believe, but for the believer, there is no uncertainty Maybe like, you know what our job is, or where the money will come from, or whatever. But we know we have a God who is faithful. We have we know that God's going to turn for good. We have a God who promised us our daily needs. We have a God who we know is going to lead us all the way through. So don't forget Him. Don't prop up other things and become too dependent upon all of these things that are now been shaken and kicked out from underneath us. Give Him the glory. So one of the greatest blessings in this life, and I want to land here, one of the greatest blessings in this life is to know that we don't have to rely on living in a land of plenty. I want to say that again. One of the great blessings in this life is to know that we don't have to rely on living in a land of plenty. It's a blessing to be sure to have plenty, But the greater blessing is to know that we don't live on bread alone. Once we can understand that, we're free. We're not given into anxiousness. We're not given into the uncertainty because we know that life is more than just physical needs, even though it's important. God knows that. He knows we need to eat. He knows we need clothes. He knows we need water. He knows that. He says that. He knows that but it's even more important and vital to us to know that we don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So remember who God is. Remember who you are in light of who God is. Remember what God has done and how he has brought you to himself and how he's been faithful and good. And this is a great opportunity to preach the gospel to yourself. And this is why I love the fact that we're celebrating communion today because when we look at the ordinance of communion, Jesus gave us this as a time to remember. like, Like when we take communion, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Think about that for a moment. What did Jesus do? He took on flesh. He came here to do for us what we could never do, to know that his own created, the ones who he's created, his own people, will reject him, despise him, spit on him, mock him, ultimately be the ones who put him on that cross, right? And he did it with the joy that was set before him, because he knew that this was the way to life, to salvation. To have the greatest blessing, which is relationship with God. To have peace with him and peace with other people. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul would say these things in Romans 8. Like if he did not spare his own son, would he not give us all things? Like nothing could ever separate us from the love of Christ. Not even the stupid coronavirus. Not even the stock market. Not even your job. Not even this quarantine. Nothing. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. The promise is we're more than conquerors and we're called together to celebrate this sacrifice. His broken body and his shed blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So folks, this is the time. In fact, we're even called to examine ourselves before we take communion. So literally, this is a moment where I want you either together or alone, regardless of your situation, I want to encourage you in just a moment to hit pause. And I want you to examine your heart. I want you to say, search me, Lord. Show me if there's anything inside of me that I need to confess and repent of. Lord, I want to come near to you. I want you to be my anchor. I remember what you've done for me on the cross. I remember that you conquered death and the grave. I remember that you rose again to the heavens. You ascended there and now you're seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us this very moment. And because of that, we have boldness to approach the throne of grace in our time of need. I want to encourage you to hit pause and do some confessing. And when you're done with that moment, hit play and we'll celebrate communion together. So go ahead, hit pause. A little weird. I can't believe I just said that because you're probably going to unpause it and just see that I just said that. Technology is really weird. Well, welcome back. So let's take communion together as a church. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you to think about this. He took the bread, and he gave thanks. Father, we thank you for offering your son's body for us. If there was ever a reminder that you've given us, that you are faithful and good, it's the fact that you gave us your son's body. His body was broken. We thank you, Jesus, for being obedient. We thank you, Jesus, that you struggled and agonized in prayer for us. To submit to the will of the Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. He gave thanks and then he broke it as a symbolic reminder that this is what he did for us. So let's take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and the fact that it said in the same way, he stopped and gave thanks. Thank you, Lord, for having your blood poured out. Thank you, Lord, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, and you knew that. And so you shed your blood. We thank you for this cup. By the shedding of your blood, we are covered in your righteousness. Your blood has made our sins. It made us as white as snow. It was your blood that paid the price to redeem us, to buy us back from slavery, from death to life. We thank you, Lord. Amen. And Jesus said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take together. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us so incredibly, so much Lord, all we have to do is look again to your story and your son and what he has done. And we know without a shadow of doubt that you are faithful, that you are good. You are trustworthy. Lord, I pray for us that we would remember the past in order to place our faith and hope in you in the present and in the future. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Blessings, church. And see you real soon this week.